This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Today we're going to cover the book, Tribe of Mentors, Short Life Advice from the Best in the World by Timothy Ferris. Eric, uh, you're the one who chose this book for, uh, for yourself. Uh, first things first, uh, why, why did you choose to lead off 20, what, we're 2018 now, 2018 with this book? Well, this was the book that kicked off the entire project for me. Well, Tools of Titans was. And so I figured that I should start 2018 with Tribe of Mentors. So I read uh, Tools of Titans at the, the end of 2016 and the book recommendations in, in that book are what inspired the project. I, I am always a sucker for hearing what the top performers are reading and, and what ha, uh, what books have, have impacted them. And so here was a, a full book of, of book recommendations and that was my favorite part of, of Tools of Titans. So I knew that was going to be another qu- question in Tribe of Mentors as well. So there are plenty of, of great book suggestions in this book as well. So in, in, in fact, so many good ones that I've already st- started creating a list for 2019. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me one, one bit. Um, let's see. So, and, and for those of you who've uh, been with us a while, you'll notice that we are transitioning this year to a little bit different style of, uh, of podcast for a number of them. Now we're still uh, carrying over, the books, uh, a number of the books from the 2017 list. For that list, we'll continue to have our old-fashioned uh, conversation where both of us will have assumed, uh, where it'll be assumed that both of us have read it. Uh, for these books, for the books on the 2018 list, we're, we're doing interviews where one of us will have read the book. There will be a few where both of us will have read it, and we'll do a little bit more traditional style at that point. But uh, we're doing interview style. So uh, Eric is the one that read this book. I have not yet read uh tribe of mentors although it's 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 on the list and i've been listening actually to the audio versions that have been coming through on the tribe of mentors podcast which i as i aren't those basically verbatim they're just reading their own answers is that isn't that what that is yeah and i think his goal there is to eventually create the audio book yeah yeah with with, with their own the collection of everyone reading their their actual own answers yeah which and is then pretty that, smart that can become another cash cow which is you know very nice. Uh, yep. this, this, this is this is a pretty good boondoggle he's got going on. I, I got many many <laughs> props to him for uh, managing to uh, set up the empire he's got going there, and I don't begrudge that in the least because he's actually. I mean, he's producing some really valuable content uh, with mm-hmm. a lot of that for those of us who are obsessed with self improvement, especially. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's go ahead and get to some discussion about the book. So first things first, um, what what would you say your immediate takeaway from this book was so that if, if I were going to ask you and I am asking you uh, you have no other no other thought you have to think the one thing that just really stuck with you more than anything else from this book what is that one thing to, to live for the next five minutes hmm. and this came through on so many different interviewees and then 
Ferris ends the book with a with a little uh, with a little piece, and and in he in, in in that part he he also highlights this. But basically, Ferris at the end of the book says, "What what do I want to do with the rest of my life, or what should I do with the rest of my life?" He says is a terrible question. Excellence is the next five minutes. Improvement is the next five minutes. Happiness is the next five minutes. And so we we see this over and over in the book. That's fair saying it at the end. But so many people in the book say that same exact thing. They may they may say ten minutes. They may say say um, uh, the next month. But but basically thinking about life in smaller increments. And and that. I know it. I mean, if you just think about it, it seems obvious. Um, but for some reason, it really stuck out to me. And it's something that I, I thought about a lot last year and, and I think came up in, in, in some of our books as well last year. But this this book really hit that home of um, actually Mr. Money Mustache had a, had a good quote about it. <laughs> I, I came to realize that the key to a great life is simply having a bunch of great days so you can think about it one day at a time. So whether it's a day or, or five minutes or 10 minutes, but basically if, if you try to make the next five minutes or 10 minutes excellent, that's going to lead to an excellent life. It's going to be, a, it's going to lead to a life that you're, you're, you're going to be proud of. Um, and I think for me, I just get caught up a lot on thinking too far ahead of, well, I, I, I hope things go this way, but in, in doing that to the neglect of the right here, right now. So the thing I kept hearing over and over in this book is, is, is that thinking of right here, right now, be, be present, be here now, you know, what we saw in, in deep survival book. Um, but that, that's, that was the main takeaway for me and th- weaved through a number of different, uh, interviews in, in the book. Okay, so the, uh, that that brings up another another question then. So, out of those interviews, if somebody's just going to pick this book up off the shelf and try to um, unethically, uh, let's say in a Barnes and Noble, read the the four or five most valuable to you, the one the the, the four or five people their their advice and so on, the ones that stuck out the most to you, who would the first? Because this is one of those books uh, uh, similar to. Uh, to books of titans where you don't have to read this book linearly right because each mm-hmm. each individual set of questions is to each set of set of uh, people right so it's one person is answering a you know however many questions of the ones that he sent them they chose to answer so which which uh which of the people which of the say what are what are the three to five that that you would say start with these when you read this book Okay. Yeah. And, and just to take a quick step back, the, the, the structure of this book is basically Tim sent emails out to a hundred plus people with 11 questions. And those questions are at the beginning of the book. Uh, they include things like what are, what is the book or books you've given the most as a gift? Um, what's the best or most worthwhile investment you've ever made? What unusual habit or absurd thing do you, absurd thing that you love? And what are bad recommendations you hear in your profession or area of expertise <laughs> and, and a few other questions. So if you listen to the Tim Ferriss show podcast, uh, you, some of these questions will be familiar, but he basically, it's, it sent these 11 questions and then people could respond with whatever ones they wanted. And then he just compiled 
the results into this book. So I think the to- the the final number is 131 interviews, but it it's all follows the same format with with these same questions. It that differs from Tools of Titans, whereas Tools of Titans was pulled more from his podcast episodes. So Tools of Titans has more. It, it's it's a broader range of topics. Uh, it it kind of just what the 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 main things that stuck out in the the podcast episodes. Tim also wrote a lot more in to, Tools of Titans. So he interspersed within that book is is little sections that he did, whereas Tribe of Mentors is which more, also were from the from different episodes on the podcast, if you recall, like you know the, some yeah. of the some of the test balloon episodes or what how, whatever he called. I don't remember what he's called them, but you know various uh, little interludes where he'll have something that had been on his brain. But yeah, yeah, that yeah. And then, but, but and then also sections where he would like quote different parts of books um, that that he liked. I mean, I remember the the buck up suck up. He he pulled the Newt Gingrich quote from there about um, chasing the chasing the mice. I believe it was was it mice? Yeah, yeah, I believe it's chasing, uh, chasing mice or uh, or some Elephants sort of big or... game. Yeah. yeah. It, for those of you who want to get some sense of that quote, you can either go to. Uh, uh, to uh, Tools of Titans or to our episode on Buck Up, Suck Up. <clears throat> uh, well, never mind. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that by James Carville and, uh, uh, wow, I'm, uh, uh, Begala. Paul, Paul Begala. Paul Begala. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Tim Tim's a lot more present in Tools of Titans. In Tribe of Mentors, he, he starts off the book. He has uh, quotes he's pondering throughout the book. And, and that, that's it, just these quotes. So that'd be like four quotes. And then uh, a section at the end. So he's not as president in this book. It's more of just compiling this information and putting it into a book format. So of these 131 interviews, the the, the four that I, I enjoyed the most were Jerome Jari. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Um, Mark Benioff, Yuval the uh, author of Sapiens, Yuval Noah Harari, and Kevin Kelly. And I, I want to just do a quick thing for, for each of those people and, and why why I like them. Um, Jerome Jari, I liked his section. He, he had this awesome quote where he said, if you are studying business PR marketing, then drop out today. The world is full of marketers and businessmen. The world doesn't need more of them. The world needs healers and problem solvers to use their hearts. Your heart is a million times more powerful than your brain. But uh, he he just had he had some really good other other parts in there. So I, I enjoyed his his section. I enjoyed Mark Benioff's. He founded Dropbox, and he had this practice of when they buy into buildings in different markets, he always buys the top floor of the building, and then he opens it up to everyone in the company who's working in that building. So it's not just the executives that, that go up there and and do whatever, but it's like a meeting space that anyone in the company can go up to. And I I just thought that was really cool because like when I, when I worked for Russell, you could hardly even get on the floor that had the executives. I mean, it was, it was like protected, you know? (laughs) Yeah. They've got Um, the guys in suits with the earpieces in and all that, you know, sector seven G is clear. Sector seven (laughs) G is clear. Oh, wait, here, here comes oh, a, a guy with a little bit of a Minnesota accent and a Viking shirt a, on. A Keep him out. We've got a plebeian. We've yeah. got a plebeian. Yeah. Get him out. Get, get this um, man out. He looks a little too bourgeoisie. 
<laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I like that one. The Yuval Noah Harris section was, sorry, not Harris Harari section was amazing. And I, I, I want to go into a couple of things that he wrote. The first is, is this, uh, and this was to the question, what advice would you give to a smart driven college student about to enter the real world? What advice should they ignore? He said, so what should you focus on? My best advice is to focus on personal resilience and emotional intelligence. Traditionally, life has been divided into two main parts, a period of learning followed by a period of working. In the first part of your life, a stable identity and acquired personal and professional skills. In the second part of your life, you relied on on your identity and skills to navigate the world, earn a living, and contribute to society. By 2040, this traditional model will become obsolete, and the only way for humans to stay in the game will be to keep learning throughout their lives and reinvent themselves again and again. By the time you are 40, you don't want to change. You want stability. But in the 21st century, you won't be able to enjoy that luxury. And I thought it was cool. I mean, it, 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 it seems like kind of a, a, a obvious thing. And, but, I, but I even look to like my parents' generation and that's how it was. I mean, you went to school, you got a set of skills and then you use that set of skills throughout your life. I mean, you, you may gain a few more skills, but that pretty much that got you through a lot of a lot of your working life. Whereas now it, it's kind of a continual learning process. Well, we've, we've talked about that previously on this podcast about being a perpetual amateur yep. and, uh, and, and constantly having to relearn and unlearn and relearn and learn something new, partly just because of the process, the process of how quickly, uh, quickly, uh, technology changes and everything now where you, you have to constantly be learning. I mean, as soon as yeah. you learn one thing, suddenly Apple decides to reverse the scrolling direction to be the opposite <laughs> of how it should be. And then you have to switch that every time you get onto any Apple computer from then on. It's like, oh, come on, why would you switch this? <laughs> you know, and then you have to do that every time you know, because some people just don't switch it back like they should. I, you know, it's that sort of thing. You have to either learn to tolerate it or you have to learn to make those changes, you know? <laughs> I, I think they have it correct now. Or the latest, the latest little hobby horse for me for me i listen to music while i'm working so uh, oftentimes so i like to be able to control my uh my sound my my music from my keyboard so what do they do on the latest they change it so that you don't just control it for system wide to to whatever you're playing it's whatever's on the screen at the moment if i need to control what's on the screen i can do that with my mouse so yeah. thankfully there's a third party extension that I have to use to do that, but it's infuriating that I have to have to, uh, download that extension to use resources and all that to do that. But again, well, I had to learn, I had to go and find out how to do this. Welcome well, to the 21st you, you should, century. You should everybody. share, you should share that third party <laughs> app with our listeners. Cause I would love to use that as well. Cause that's <laughs> yes, I, also very the, frustrating. The app, uh, is, is, uh, what is it? It's called, um, High Sierra Media Key Enabler. That's uh, the application is High Sierra Key Media Key Enabler. Uh, we'll we'll put a link to it in the show notes for those of you out there who've yet to find this. But again, it's one of those things you gotta you gotta learn. Welcome to the twenty first century. You know, it's uh, you were I think saying something off air about this before as well, where you know, hey, you get a phone call and all of a sudden you try to turn your nope because Apple decided it's a bad idea. I want to know who in the company decided that it should be changed and. I would like to have a meeting with said person. <laughs> so Yuval uh, keeps keeps going on here. And by the way, uh, <laughs> we have two books by Yuval. 
Noah Harari on our list this year. Jason is going to be reading Sapiens, and I'll be reading Homo Deus. So he goes on, uh, we're not uh, living in an era of hacking computers. We're living in the era of hacking humans. Once the corporations and governments know you better than you know yourself, they can control and manipulate you, and you won't even realize it. So if you want to stay in the game, you have to run faster than Google. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good good luck with that. But he's right. He's right. Yeah. Anything else from that one, or you want to move on to your next Not, uh, favorite interviewee? And the fourth person I enjoyed was Kevin Kelly. He's on page 246 of the hardcover edition of the book. And he was also in Tools of Titans. He was also the author of the first book we read for 2017, The Inevitable, and, and one that actually, Jason, you just referenced when, with the uh, always being an amateur and approaching yeah. Yeah. things from that. I, I, one thing I really liked, um, he's the only person that, that recommended the Bible as one of his favorite books. But the way he came to read the Bible was kind of interesting, and he highlights that as well. He read The Story of My Experiments with Truth by Mahatma Gandhi. And he said, this autobiography of Gandhi curiously led me to Jesus. Gandhi's stance on radical honesty prompted me to attempt the same. It started my spiritual awake, awakening. And, um, and, then he, and then he talked about how he, um, he started reading the Bible after that. And, and then he's read it several times since then and, and kind of keeps going back to it throughout his life. He's also just a really interesting man. Tim Ferriss calls him the, the most interesting man alive. The last thing he says is don't try to find your passion. Instead, master some skill, interest, or knowledge that others find valuable. It almost doesn't matter what it is at the start. You don't have to love it. You don't have to be the best at it. Once you master it, you'll be rewarded with new opportunities that will allow you to move away from the tasks you dislike and towards those that you enjoy. If you continue to optimize your master, mastery, you'll eventually arrive at your passion. I think it's just a great way to yeah I do like to, that. to think about that too yeah. and and that came up with with a, a number of different people uh, different interviewees in this book as well of you, you got to flip that thing around like you don't uh, Whitney Cummings said don't don't network work like don't don't try to just like meet people to to network to to get a job without actually doing the work and and once you once you do the work and you do the work well. The, it, a lot of the other stuff will take care of itself. So kind of Jason to the point that you talk a lot about, uh, of first things first. I, I, I thought about that with that, um, that thing. Don't, don't start with passion of, of trying to find yourself or find your passion, but, but start with, with doing the work. Well, I mean, I think one of the things that's really important about that, that again, makes sense to me about that quote is for the most part, you can't really even assess whether your whether something is your passion. Like you can't honestly assess that or realistically assess that until you have a good idea of what it entails, until you have a good idea of what's actually involved in doing it. And to mm -hmm. get to that point, you actually have to gain some mastery in that area. I mean, you look at actually the number of people that get to say law school or medical school or even more uh, in, you know, PhD programs like the one that I did, uh, the number of people that, that get into those programs and then decide, mm, not for me. And some of these people were really passionate about doing what they're doing 
when they first got there, particularly on the PhD side. It's like, oh, I want to go do this because I just love that subject. And I have people come to me all the time about that sort of thing. I get emails about this like, hi, you know, I saw that you went to X, you know, I, I saw that you graduated, you know, from, from here in this area. And, I, I, you know, I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to look into, you know, doing that degree, you know, and uh, wanted to, you know, find out what, uh, what your advice was or whatever. And, uh, you know, I had a student who took one of my classes last year who met with me the next semester saying, Hey, you know, I, I'm thinking about changing my major. Cause you know, I'm really passionate about that subject and, you know, taking your class really made me want to think about going and getting my PhD and doing what you're doing and all this. And after, at the, by the end of our conversation, she was going, yeah, you know, maybe, Maybe I'll hold off on that because I told her very soon, you know, I took her through, this is what it entails. This is what you have to do. This is what the job market looks afterwards and so on and encouraged her stick with your current, with your current major. Now, if you do want to go to graduate school in this down the line, you can do that from your current major, but you know, and if you want to add a double major, fine, but you've got a scholarship over here for this particular school that you got it, that you would be giving up. Why would you do this? Yeah following your passion before you have a really good sense and before you have some level of mastery in the area that you think might be a passion can be pretty dangerous. Yeah. So next one. That, that was it. I just wanted to highlight the four, the four people. Um, those are the, those are the four that, that stuck out the most to me. Okay. Well, let's, let's go ahead and transition then to, uh, some of your favorite quotes overall from the book. So I know this is, uh, this is always one of your favorite, uh, sections to uh, discuss in any of the books that we talk about, but let's go ahead and go through, uh, some of your favorite quotes and what made them favorite quotes. In addition to these passages that you just read that were, uh, some of, uh, your favorite passages from, from key interviewees. Okay. Yeah. And there's just a few that I want to highlight. Um, the first one is from Steve, Jerviston, who said, every industry on our planet is going to become an information business. Hmm. And he's basically telling you to, to prepare for that. Whether you're a farmer, you know, farming in the future is going to be, uh, some, some of it's going to be, you put a drone up there and you look and you see how, how things look from that vantage point and, and you're tying that in with, with, up to the second details on weather and all, all sorts of stuff that's going to be largely information based. Uh, you're not going to be out there with a, with a hoe as much as you are going to be in front of the computer. It's going to be more of an information business and everything is going that way. So how can you be preparing for whatever you're working in uh, to, to, to knowing that it's going to be making that, that adjustment here? Can't wait until those smart porta potties. Yeah. <laughs> this this one was awesome and this this is uh this is from someone who's not alive. I, I can't remember. I think this might have been from quotes that Tim was pondering. And it comes from uh, Walter Chrysler of uh Chrysler Automobiles dealing with laziness. Whenever there is a hard job to be done, I assign it to someone who is lazy. He is sure to find an easy way of doing it. <laughs> I've always loved that quote. I've always I just loved thought it that was quote. brilliant. No, it's like, it, it's so true. Don't get rid of the lazy man. Utilize him for what he's good at. Yeah, yeah. Make you now. Now this is one of those things that you know. This is the one of the great um, paradoxes of laziness 
is and it's also the paradox of cheating too right you know as as you're dealing with people who cheat in school the lazy person will will oftentimes expend far more energy in the efforts to get around the work that they don't want to do the cheater will find just incredible uh ingenuity to find a way to to, to cheat uh sometimes that you know if you if you had applied even a quarter of the energy to to, to actually learning the subject as opposed to cheating you'd have, you'd get the highest grade in the class just on it. that um yeah. it's the same thing with with lazy people lazy people are our inventors lazy people are the ones that you know figure this figure out uh how to how to help you know in so many different areas because it's like wait i don't want to do it that way anymore <laughs> Oh, it's a, it's important to be selectively lazy, though. I think that's the key. Yeah, but if you do have a lazy person in your organization, do realize that that there may be a good use for them. Yeah, and actually, I wonder the how next much. One. I wonder how much. Uh, you know, Ferris had, and I'm trying to remember who it was on this week's uh, podcast, this last week's podcast that he had that uh, had written uh, on on four different. Um, uh, personality types or ways of um of uh dealing with motivation yeah and, gretchen rubin yeah gretchen rubin that's right and uh and i wonder how much uh laziness correlates with the questioner form huh. you know there were the four yeah. basic uh ways you know the the, and the 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 person that she categorizes as a questioner is someone who is intrinsically motivated they're motivated very much on their own internal stuff but on externally oriented stuff it's like they have to ask the question of like does this make sense do i want to do i wonder how much quote-unquote laziness is actually really just someone like wait why do we have to do that why why should we have to do it that way (laughs) i do wonder about that that like that that whether chrysler's point on that is really get you some questioners and turn them loose (laughs) Yeah, which which I'm noticing my my daughter is a questioner. I'm a questioner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hardcore. So the 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 last one I want to highlight here is from Sam Harris, who uh, Jason will be reading one of his books this this year. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. And this was the question of uh, what do you do when you are overwhelmed? And I thought this was a, a wonderful answer. Whenever I feel overwhelmed, I complain to my wife about it. After listening patiently for about 30 seconds, she generally tells me to shut the up. (laughs) Then I meditate or work out. And what makes that even more funny is that most of the other people gave a really like, oh, if, if I'm, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, I, I, I chant or I, 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 um, I breathe, I concentrate on my breathing or I, you know, go on a run or do something, and, and he says, or I take a you know a, a negative thirty six degree Celsius ice bath while yeah. <laughs> holding my breath underwater and and uh, and doing a short CrossFit workout in the process of that, and uh, and performing a transcendental meditation, uh, yeah, a, a trans uh, uh, doing TM meditation, right? Uh, so uh, I guess TM meditation. Which I think a hundred. I think about a hundred and eight percent of the people in the highlighted in the book do meditation. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see. Any any other um, going through my, uh, my the, the the remaining questions we need to hit here. Um, any other any other key takeaways beyond uh, 
what we've what we've talked about so far. So we've talked about favorite interviewees and some of the, the key takeaways from that. We've gotten through your favorite quotes. Do you have a favorite word that came up in this uh, in this book? I did not. I did not. No, there was not a single word that that uh, stuck out as have in there's the not, past. There's like, no fuck idiot. idiot. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. So um. So any other. Uh, key takeaways here, and and if not, then we'll go ahead and uh, and begin to uh, to wrap up the uh, wrap up the show. Yeah, a few few other things, and and these are really the ones that I saw over multiple people. Um, and, and I think that's one of the neat things about these types of books, where where you're seeing from a, a a number of different people to see common threads throughout a lot of the a lot of the interviews, uh, whether it's recommended books or advice. Uh, the, those things kind of stick out if you, if you see them more than once. So I highlighted the first one already where um, viewing life a, a few minutes at a time instead of, you know, the kind of way, way out into the future. Another one is along the lines of what you were just talking about with, with Gretchen Rubin and the personality test. A number of people talked about understanding their personality and the main personalities that they would encounter in life. So there were a number of different book suggestions or theories that people use, whether it's Myers-Briggs or Gretchen Rubin writing her own book about the personalities that she comes across. Um, but, but that came up a lot where people did want to understand other people and, and, and maybe why certain people acted a certain way if they were a, a particular personality type. So maybe if you, if you have some sort of framework in your head – of of the personality types and then you you kind of fit yourself in that and and others uh, i know that was really big in companies in the 90s uh, where people would actually put their personality test outside their door so before you walked in to, to talk to them you knew if they were uh, a jerk or not or i guess i don't know i think i just but, put um, like a I, I should just put like a donkey on my door <laughs> <laughs> this is what you're this is what you're about to this encounter is what you're getting into yeah the, the the occupant of this room is a jackass <laughs> there we go it's a it's a spider monkey yeah. <laughs> so that that came up uh that came up a lot one of the questions is is how have you gotten better at saying no so uh just the idea of learning how to gracefully say no in order to pursue what's important and you know, of course, all all the people in the book are top performers that are probably getting a lot of interview requests, uh, emails from people asking for advice or or to be a mentor or or something like that. And and so, how do you parse through that? How do you gracefully say no? Um, and and to the point where Tim got some responses when he sent out the email of eleven questions to people, and he included those no responses in the book because they were they were so well well done. <laughs> So um, I actually that thought was, that those was were some of the more valuable pieces, actually, the, yeah. some of the more valuable things in the book, because as someone who actually struggles at times to say no. And in fact, I just had this discussion with uh, with my wife about uh, one thing I'm doing right now. I'm have to, I'm I'm finishing a uh, uh, a book that I have to that I, I agreed to do a book review for uh, a scholarly journal. And, you know, it's the third book review in about a, in about a year that I've I've agreed to do. And, you know, this book is, it's uh, pre, you know, before getting to the indices and everything, it's like 500 pages, right? So, yeah, it's 500, what, 506 pages, something like that. And, you know, it's very dense. It was a dissertation and all this. And I'm looking at her going, 
no more. No, I, I just have to say no. And I, like, yeah. I, I've got to be able to say, you know what? I'm just in a period where uh, I'm, I'm taking a moratorium on doing any book reviews of any sort uh, for, you know, of this type because uh, I need to actually do my own work. That sort of, those no chapters where he gives the, this is where this person turned me down and did it in such a way that I actually still like this person. That's, that's useful. <laughs> Useful. Well, and this wasn't in the book, but my favorite uh, declining of an invitation of all time came from E.B. White, who responded in 1956 with this. Dear Mr. Adams, thank you for thanks for your letter inviting me to join the Committee of the Arts and Sciences for Eisenhower. I must decline for secret reasons. Sincerely. <laughs> that's the best one of all time secret I may, reasons i may use that one in the future too I, <laughs> I i i think i might have heard that years ago but i'd forgotten it and it's uh that's pretty good <laughs> um let's see two more the importance of sleep this one came up quite often uh to to where some of the people highlighted in this book like religiously protect their eight hours of sleep to where they'll leave uh, important events midway through or, or whatever just to uh, or or even if there's a party at their house they will they will just go up to their bedroom and, and go to sleep you know john wesley used um, to do that right and, and did he really yeah john wesley from from what oh. i understand what would happen is like there'd be a meeting or people at dinner for his at his house or whatever and he would get up at i can't remember it was like four thirty every morning or five o'clock every morning it was it was very very early uh, to pray and do whatever. And he so zealously protected that time in the morning that he would go to bed at the same time every night, no matter what. And when it came to that time, he'd have people in mid conversation or whatever. And apparently, again, this is something that I read a long time ago, but apparently like somebody would basically be talking to him or whatever over for dinner. And he'd just look at him and be like, all right, I'm going to bed. That's awesome. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Uh, and, in the last thing I, I kind of highlighted this with, um, with the, the Kevin Kelly, Kevin Kelly, uh, uh, quote about passion, but basically not trying to find yourself, but instead create yourself. Uh, so don't try to find, find yourself or find what, what you're, you're good at, but, but start doing the work and, and that stuff will, will be, will come, um, will come like those were my uh, my main takeaways from the book, and and really the things that that showed up over and over, um, across multiple people. Yes, and then I, obviously I, I the, was mistaken. Uh, by the way, it wasn't four thirty. He would rise at four a.m. Yeah, four o'clock every okay. morning. Yeah, that's it's pretty good. Eesh. Like Jocko Willink. Yeah, yeah. He and Jocko could get up and do their thing. Yippee ki uh, uh, The last thing I loved about the book and, and again same with Tools of Titans just all the book recommendations and and for me that's that's worth the uh, the price of admission for for this book because although there, there are the, some good those ones book, some... those book recommendations have been compiled by someone yeah and they are now on the the, the books of Titans po uh, website so I went out one and I did this with Tools of Titans but I mark up the uh, the book so I'll while reading Tribe of, of Mentors, I, I underlined every single book, made a big side margin note books, and so that I could quickly go back through the book. And um, there are 298 or 198, let me look, of uh, books suggested in um, 
in Tribe of Mentors. Uh, sorry, 278. 278 books. Some of them more than once. Um, Man's Search for Meaning was was one of the top uh, top suggested books, I think, seven times. And the Tao, Tao Te Ching was suggested five times. I probably butchered that, didn't I? Yeah, well, I, I laugh because you did, but uh, you know, so does, <laughs> so does Ferris every time he pronounces it. And then finally, and the thing is, I knew that he knew how to pronounce it properly anyway, because he, he's, he's worked in, in Eastern languages to begin with. So I always kind of like, why does he do that? And then one day, like one of his, one of his more recent uh, podcasts, he made some sort of a side about that. Like, yes, everybody, for those of you who keep sending me like, that's not how you pronounce it. I know how to pronounce it. And then he pronounced it correctly. And he said, but you sound like a clown when you just immediately transition into, (laughs) into the proper, like into a different language for pronouncing a word that's, you know, uh, that that's in uh, that that the translator transliterated into English, but yeah, it's it's Dao, uh, and that 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 T is actually more of a D sound, but uh, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so that was uh, suggested five times. So, but the list is up on um, Books of Titans, and it's under Resources in the in the main menu, and it's a table, and you can search the t- table if you uh, search the table, it will just automatically uh, show those ones for what you're searching so another uh, good resource we have there on the on the website that's going to do it for us today before we get out of here just a reminder you can follow along with us in terms of our book reading list for the year right now i am working through john r l moxon peter's halachic nightmare which i am reading in order to do a book review for a for a journal and uh, I'm very much looking forward to having that assignment done. It's actually a, a good book in the field. I'm, I've been impressed by uh, how how well he's done uh, on several thorny scholarly issues. But uh, enough about that. <laughs> well, you've got a few others that you're you're reading simultaneously, right? Yeah, I think I've, I'm, I think right now I'm finishing seven. I'm working on seven different books because I've got different <laughs> books that I'm working. I'm reading through for with with classes or reading ahead for classes that I'm teaching and making sure that I can get all that stuff uh, taken care of and get my lectures synced and all that. So I should be done with uh, about five of those here in the next couple of weeks. So then I can get back to the books that we chose to do for for this this podcast. But anyway, so like I said, you can uh, keep up with uh, the books that we're reading uh, at booksoftitans.com. What what exactly are you reading right now there, Eric? I'm reading a, a comic book. <laughs> Very scholarly. Yeah, well, actually it is. It's called uh, Economics and uh, a good friend of mine recommended this book and and so it's number 2 for me this year after Tribe of Mentors. But it actually it's uh, it the the subtitle is how our economy works and doesn't work in words and pictures, and I, I actually wish I had read this in college instead of some of the textbooks we had because it does a, a excellent job of of going through the history of economic ideas and, and how they played out through through more recent history. So I'm loving it and I'm I'm actually learning a lot and it just kind of distills everything down into the uh, the basics and. Uh, very, very, very helpful. I, I posted that I was reading this and, and a professor on, on Twitter said that he, uh, not a professor of Twitter, but a, a professor of economics said that he, he gives this book to, uh, to his class. It's, he, it's required reading in his class and they love him for it. They, um, they all thank him for that. So, <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I mean, every every uh, everything I've heard about it so far makes me uh, wish I'd put it on my list for the year, especially the the fact that it's a graphic novel of some sort, uh, mm-hmm. that it's a comic book, which uh, I have my appreciation for. In any case, you can also ping us on Twitter, Instagram, social media of your choice at Books of Titans. If you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast, find all of our past episodes through Apple uh, Podcasts, the Android Marketplace, or your podcast manager of choice. If you are enjoying this podcast, please give us effusive five-star ratings and and just go on and gush about how much you enjoy this and pass along, share your favorite episodes on social media or write letters, handwritten, however you want to pass this along to people and let them know to, uh, to, to give it a listen. Uh, even if it's just one episode that you really got something out of, that helps us out a lot. We'll be back soon to discuss the next book, which will be The Republic by Plato. Here together with Eric Rostad, I'm Jason Staples, and this has been the Books of Titans podcast. Keep listening, keep reading, and keep improving. And keep it real.